Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we are reading books outside of our comfort zones. I'm Anna. And I'm Em. This week, we are finishing up the unit Anna has brought to the table Mm -hmm. on domestic thrillers with Lisa Jewell's The Family Upstairs. Um, So, Anna, what did you think of this book? It was fine. (laughs) I think for me here, the problem with the genre as a whole with thrillers is that I feel like they do a lot to be like, ha gotcha. And I'm mm. like, okay, that's fine. But like, I'm not like the reason I like a mystery is because you can, it's the seeds of everything are planted early, right? Like you can presumably find all the clues for the answer as you are reading the book. With a thriller, it's like we threw in some twists just for the shock value. And I'm like, oh, that's fine, I guess. Like, But it's like, it's just going to make me go, oh, neat. And then move on. Like, so this is fine. Like, I, this book was entertaining enough. Um, I didn't find anything like about it that was like, this is the worst thing I've ever read or anything. But I also was not like wowed by it because I was just like, I see your gimmick and I'm not, I just, that's the thing I don't like about the the, the genre. I think I've discovered about mm-hmm. myself. So how about you? Uh, I liked it. I think, mm-hmm. um, I feel like it avoided a lot of the things that I dislike in many thrillers, but it also had an issue. I felt like in the, and obviously we'll get into this, but mm-hmm. there's kind of like a mystery that is being unraveled in the present by, and like being the the unraveling of that mystery is being told and mm-hmm. that didn't have much plot in terms of like it unraveled pretty easily they didn't have to try very hard yeah just kind yeah. of like followed the logical steps right mm-hmm. the stuff that's happening in the past it's like well we we know it more or less like we more or less know how this turns out because mm-hmm. we're dealing with the a lot of the characters in the present mm-hmm. so it just kind of didn't it felt a little like when all of the shocking stuff happened, it's like, well, yeah, but we know what happens to these characters 25 years later. Cause yeah, like it, it felt a lot like if, if the Dollinganger family had Pushed taken a break, scary grandma, <laughs> right. Well, had taken a break from their whole, like having books about them. Oh yeah, that too. <laughs> and just like, it was like 20 years later and they were like, rediscovering what happened in flowers in the attic Mm -hmm. and it wouldn't be that thrilling i don't think because you'd be like yeah but you're you're like fine and all adults now so like it seems like it turned out okay (laughs) yeah Yeah, a little question mark but you know uh fine ish i guess yeah i um yeah i kind of felt the same way i was like this i appreciated that like we had the more like stabilized character of Libby, who who's mm-hmm. the the person who the things are happening to her in the present day. She's the one unraveling this mystery, and then we have like the girl who's obviously like dealing with the trauma of the events, and then we have the guy that's like the sadistic like kind of question mark evil one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I I liked that balance that I wasn't like forced to read it from henry's perspective the entire way through because i think that would have that would have just made it a slog but um so i think yeah that kind of saved it from like the whole um uh what how did we phrase it in the flowers in the attic like the entertainment like the 
uh, voyeuristic. Porn? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> trauma porn? I don't yeah, know. kind I of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of saved it from that. Um, yeah. But yeah, like you said, like there's there's like a limited cast of characters. So some of the mysteries there are like, well, okay. And then and then when when there is a twist to the mystery, like, well, yeah, well, you got that, but did you get this? It's like, well, where did that come from? Like, okay. <laughs> sure. I'll accept this. I just thought it was like a, I'm trying to I'm trying to trick the reader, but like in a way that wasn't satisfying to me. And I, I understand why a lot of people would like this book. Like if you if you like the thriller genre, definitely like this one uh, probably has a wide appeal for you. Um, but for me, as someone who doesn't particularly like the genre that I don't I was just like, it was fine. <laughs> it just felt very low stakes for a thriller. Yeah, to me. like that, too. At the first bit when stuff was kind of a little bit more mysterious, I was pretty into it. But then as stuff kind of got cleared up, I'm like, well, yeah, okay. They like it. It all turns out pretty much fine for everybody. Like perfectly like, you know, fine, happy ending almost. Yeah, yeah, for the people that we care about and who aren't like evil. Yeah. You know? So I don't know. It was just it was the ending. Was definitely, a, I was like, dumb. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I did see when I recommended this, that there was a sequel, mm-hmm. but like. It had been described as a standalone sequel, so I thought oh. it would wrap up more. And, and I mean, I think for the most part, you could. Yeah, this. The sequel I, it would be I fine. did not know it was there was a sequel, and this felt yeah. like a fine ending to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and no incest in this one. Thank God. So that was good. Thank God. Um, but yeah, it was it was a serviceable thriller. It's just not the genre for me. And you know, it might have taken me three books to find what the problem is, but I got there, and now I know. So. <laughs> The problem is me and my my desires. I think like in terms of recommending this to people, I would actually say maybe for people who are trying to get into thrillers, just because I think it Mm -hmm. did avoid some of the most like um, like the stuff that I often have problems with in thrillers of like you're kind of what you said of you're just being shocking to be shocking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I felt like the shocks weren't necessarily like subversive that much. You know, there yeah. was kind of the one that was like, ooh, but it was, you know, not as bad as it could have been, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I mean, it, it, I think that it was like, if you are like, I don't like necessarily high energy, like that sort of high energy, like. Yeah, uh, like all the action thing, is in then, the past, is wrapped up, it's yeah, done. Then, this is a very like sedate thriller, mm-hmm. I think. So mm-hmm. like if you're it's like if you go to an amusement park and you're scared of roller coasters, so you get on the kitty roller coaster. I feel like this is the kitty roller coaster of thrillers. Yeah, yeah. I get that. Um yeah, there was like one point in the middle of the book, like where they get locked in the room and I was like, Okay, so here's the thriller, but then like no. it was wrapped up. It was just yeah, there was just a they lot fully of this, goosebumped like... it. Where they were just like, We were locked in. It was totally it fine was totally next fine. chapter. Like <laughs> yeah so yeah i agree i agree this is this is like good for like baby's first domestic thriller or baby's first thriller in general like you want to dip your toe in the genre see see what all the hubbub's about and if you like Mm -hmm. this it's probably a pretty good litmus test that you're gonna like other thrillers and um you know seek out more but you know you guys know me probably well enough to know that like here i am i'm like i want cozy mysteries low stakes fantasy romances like that's my (laughs) whole jam so this was just like it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what else have you been reading now? Did you read any more thrillers? 
I am reading a thriller. I am reading a thriller (gasps) right now. I'm reading another baby's first thriller. Oh my gosh, what are you reading? I'm reading um, Alyssa Cole's When No One Is Watching. Oh, yeah. Which, you know I'm an Alyssa Cole fan. Yeah. She usually does romance, but she uh, released this thriller like a year, two years ago. Yeah. Um, It's a thriller in which like the scariness is around gentrification. So it's like kind of the premise of this how or this um woman who lives in this like neighborhood in Brooklyn and mm-hmm. her neighbors have kind of like been selling their house like a few neighbors have been selling there's this you know Apple stand in that's moving in it's not a tech company it's like a, a drug company mm-hmm, of some mm-hmm. sort um and so like people are trying to buy up stuff in the area it's become like an up and coming neighborhood and like all of these like NIMBY types are kind of moving in um and then, like, uh, kind of strange stuff starts happening that is kind of implying that there is probably more going on than just uh, uh, people deciding to sell their houses. Like, her mom is mysteriously sick, and um, her one of her neighbors, get, who's, like, a, a great kid, like, honor roll type, uh, gets busted for, like, drug distribution, Um and, like, all this stuff that it's, like, very clearly building up to, like, there's some sort of conspiracy here where people are trying to gentrify this neighborhood, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's told in, like, this very, like, uh, on the ground in the in the neighborhood and kind of, like, you feel like there is this vast conspiracy. And I'm not even really sure if there it's going to be, like, a conspiracy type thing or if it is, like, just going to be very realistic in terms of like no the this horror is, is that it's real life yeah happening the horror all the is time. like this is what happens there's also a romance angle to it um which is nice Can't for again, for the romance exactly for baby's first thriller you know um and yeah so far i'm enjoying it i always like Alyssa cole you know she never she never misses for me that's an author i have yet to pick up and i feel really bad about it i've only heard good things and i feel like i would really love a lot of her stuff and i just I just think mm-hmm. she handles things in such like a, a frank way that yeah. I really enjoy. How about you? What's, what's been going read, on? It's been so long since we've recorded one of these episodes. So I feel like mm-hmm. my what have I read was ages ago. You were at my house still when I read this. Yes. Um, I read a mystery novel called The Appeal by Janice Hallett. And it is like it is a mystery told through the emails of a local uh, like a, a community theater in a small English town. And, um, it's one of those books where like, you don't even really know who, who it's a murder mystery, but you don't know who died until about two thirds of the way through the book. And the first two thirds are like this slow buildup of like why someone would be murdered. So it's like, you're seeing the, the, the mystery unfold in real time, as opposed Mm. to like the detective coming in at the end and collecting all the clues. So I thought that was really interesting. Also, it's like told through emails and other like text Mm. messages and stuff. So it reads really quickly, even though it's like over 400 pages, um, and I just really enjoyed it. I thought it was very fun. Um, uh, you know, that there's just such a wide cast of characters and they all have means and motive and it's just, it was very good. Um, I also read, I read the first book in the Caraval series, which is also called Caraval by Stephanie Garber, which is a YA novel, um, about a girl and her sister who get to go to this like magical event. It's like a week long event that is a game um, where the winner gets a wish from from the magician guy who runs it all. But the year that they go, um, they don't realize it ahead of time, but the games kind of revolve around them. And 
one of the sisters is kidnapped and ends up kind of being like, you have to find her before the week is over or she dies. And if you do, you get the wish or whatever. Um, which are those good? I always kind of forget after not reading a YA novel for a long time, because I think it's been probably like almost a year since I've picked up a YA novel. I'm like how fun they can be. They're just like, mm. there's just plot, 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 plot. And you're like, wow, that was fun. Uh, so I think I just needed that to get over a slump. Just read something fun. This is the this is the the trilogy I've decided to become heavily invested in um, for this part of the year, and you know, mm. I'm fine with. I that. feel like it's a good time of year for uh, a little YA. Yeah, you know? yeah. Just like read it real quick, and um, then you get into spooky season where you mm-hmm. want to read spooky books, right? Yeah, dark academia, that kind of thing. So, horror, horror. Yeah, you know. <laughs> You're a weirdo like me. <laughs> um. Oh, great. Yeah. It seems like we're having a great time reading some great yeah, books. We're getting back into reading stuff. Yeah. Which is fun. What a delight. What a delight. I guess we can talk about this book now. Um, I do have to preface my summary by saying um, this book, The Family Upstairs, is split into three different POVs with like alternating chapters. So the summary of this book is a little out of order for clarity and ease of my discussing mm-hmm. what actually happens in the book so if you Which read means the I'll book be interrupting 18 times being like i don't know if you well maybe i'm getting ahead yeah but, that's what's gonna say uh, if maybe you could day. not do that because what i've <laughs> built is very delicate and fragile and okay. i'm gonna lose okay. the thread of the plot if okay. it's interrupted <laughs> do i just be quiet for this whole thing let me then? just talk for an hour straight no no definitely okay. interrupt but um Let's uh let's not jump ahead Only too with often. Goofs. Only with goofs. No <laughs> plot related interruptions. <laughs> Only with goofs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so yes, yeah, so if you've if you've read this book, you're like, hey, that's not how it happens. That it is today. That is how it happens Shut the fuck today. Up. I sat down. I normally when we do these episodes, I have like maybe like three and a little bit of a fourth page of notes on the summary. Today I have a full six pages. It's <laughs> It's a lot. We're gonna, a lot. We're gonna happens. do our best. Yeah. Again, the thrillers. It's plot, 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 but it's like not the not as easy as YA is. Okay. All right. Um. So we have um our kind of main character, one of our main characters, Libby Jones. It's her twenty fifth birthday, and on her birthday, she learns that she has inherited a home in Chelsea, London. Um. She was adopted when she was like around a year old and doesn't know anything about her birth family. Um, And she has kind of just lived this normal life. Like she has an okay relationship with her mom, but she's a little bit distant. Her dad died when she was younger. Um, And now that she's inherited this home, she realizes like my whole life has changed because now I'm a millionaire kind of. If I sell this home, I will for sure have get millions of dollars, millions of pounds from the sale. Uh, so exciting for Libby. She um, doesn't realize, though, that the house comes with a very tragic past. Um, and she learns that from from like the lawyer of all people. She's like, this is not where I would want to learn about all this. But OK, um, <laughs> her family used to be really wealthy. But then something tragic happened. Authorities believe like her family was involved in a cult and did one of those suicide packs. Uh, but she was found alive in her cot with a note or cot or crib. Um, they said cot. Okay, so I, I listened to the audiobook as I was like reading uh, an ebook with my eyes, and I never realized. Good. Yes, that's good. Yeah, yeah. No, just to like make sure my attention was yeah. on the book. I have a lot of issues with my mind wandering sometimes. Um, but like they, I just 
noticed a lot of like just tiny language differences that they that they had mm. between the two like little edits they're like oh the americans won't know what a cot is better change it to crib i'm like i don't think that was necessary but okay like the audiobook would say <laughs> one thing and then the ebook the u.s edition of the ebook would say something completely different um there was sometimes where i was like i don't know what that slang was supposed to mean thank goodness i have the american book here but, okay. do you have any examples just the cot crib one is the only one that comes oh. to mind sorry no <laughs> Um, but she was found alive in her crib um, with a note left beside her uh, mother's dead body that asked for the baby to go to someone who would care for her. Uh, and her two siblings were unaccounted for. Yeah, she has two older siblings who were both in their teens and they both went missing and were never seen or heard from again. Uh, very strange. Um, Libby wants to know what happened to my family. So she does some Googling. She Googles her birth name and finds all these news articles about it. Um, Cause this happened, the events of it happened in the eighties. Um, and uh, well, eighties, like it started in the late eighties. I guess it was like the nineties. Yeah. yeah. The 93, I think is when everything ends. Yes. Um, and, but, but there was like an article written recently by a man named Miller Rowe who's a journalist who he's like, he's an investigative journalist. Um, I don't think, never mind. I don't know where I'm going with what I'm trying to say. He was, he's an investigative journalist <laughs> named Miller Rowe, period. End of sentence, Anna, stop. <laughs> she, uh, she reads this article and she's like, you know, learning a little bit more of the facts and the speculation of the public and, and what can happen. And she's like, you know what? I think the best thing for me to do is go to this big spooky house. I'll buy my fucking self and see what clues I can dig up about this cult and the suicide pact. Like, which I was kind of bummed because I thought from reading the synopsis that this was going to be like another twisted one situation where she like moves into the house yes. and is discovering stuff. That's what I it's was thinking way, too. Right. And it's, it's like so way less fun mm -hmm. and way fewer stakes if she's just like occasionally going and stopping by the house and looking around for an hour and then leaving. Yeah. Than if she is there and creepy shit is happening. Right. Like yeah. it's like that's like the it, title it, implies that. Right. Like I, I yes. know what the title means now having read the book, but like the family upstairs makes it sound like there's literally another family in the upstairs of your home that you don't know about. Right. Or, <laughs> you know, like the she would find secrets about them upstairs at the very least yeah, you know yeah instead it's just kind of like well i've got a few hours free from work i better head over to my house and look and see if there's anything spooky going on <laughs> she goes into the house like a total of three times in the whole book yeah. and sells it she's like fuck it <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't want this house anymore which i can't blame her for that but yeah no it sounds for it sounds like a lot of work at the very least <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, she's like, I'm going to go to this house by myself and I'm going to see what I can see. I'm going to really suss out this whole mystery and I'm going to solve it um, as is my birthright, whatever. So she goes to the house and she like uh, snoops around for a little while. And then she thinks she hears some like sounds of footsteps from upstairs. And she's like, oh, well, the only other person that could be here is my lawyer. So she calls out to him. No one responds. And she's like, well, maybe maybe it was nothing. And then she hears a cough. And she's like, never mind, fuck it. And she books it. She's like, I'm out. <laughs> Not here to get also, murdered or haunted. <laughs> also, though, I feel like it would be very, I mean, I think she brings it up at some point. Like, it's a really old house that's been vacant for forever. Mm -hmm. It would honestly be surprising if there wasn't someone living yeah, in it. Like, yeah, you know? exactly. 
Yeah, especially if it's like been boarded up and stuff, like in that right. no light is going to escape from someone being in there overnight. Yeah, absolutely. I would never go in there by myself. I'd be like, I need Mm-mm. like a, some sort of private security with me. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I would be like, that house belongs to the wilderness yeah. now. No, it's not really the wilderness. It's a neighborhood, but like, I'm not going in there. In a major metropolitan area. Yeah. <laughs> The land has reclaimed it. <laughs> it belongs to the city now. Um, which, you know, might be like a cool, like urban fantasy sort of situation if yeah. we were to go in that route. Uh, unfortunately, that seems like Lisa Jewell only writes. Lisa Jewell is no fun. Domestic she doesn't write anything she... about dragons. No, no, no <laughs> vampires. No hot Not immortal unicorn men. unicorn to be seen. <laughs> oh, how dare. <laughs> So she, um, after, after some persuasion, she goes to talk to her, like, co-worker slash kind of friend, Dido. Um, and, like, I guess here I, is a good point to kind of talk about Dido, this friend, who, uh, for me, I thought throughout this whole book was kind of sinister. I thought Dido really? was... Really? I thought Dido was going to be, like, one of the missing kids, for sure. Uh, see, I just felt like Dido was... Um basically Darcy Lewis from Thor. Oh. Like where it's just like, well, we needed to throw a character here for the main girl character to talk to and interact with. Have her say some funny one-liners, you mm. know? Like I I was like, she's not a real character. She's a springboard. Yeah, yeah, definitely very flat. <laughs> mm. I thought, because like, I don't know, it just seemed like she had the answer to everything and was like really pushing Libby to do certain things. I was like, does she know stuff? Oh, see, that's why I got the vibe of just, like, manic pixie best friend mm. of, like, she just she just is there to, to make the main character do the thing mm-hmm. <laughs> so that the main character can be like, well, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. Definitely. And then have someone be like, you've got to do it, Libby. <laughs> you've got to investigate this cult. It's very important that you know every detail about what happens. Also, date the, date the journalist. Date Miller Rowe. You guys have a connection. Did they? Mm. (laughs) The chemistry was not there for me. Um, But yeah, she's like, yeah, she says, you need to go talk to Miller Rowe, the the guy who wrote the the article about your family, the really deep dive into what happened and see what he knows that he didn't put into the article. Or maybe he can give you some leads to follow up on at the very least. So Libby decides this is a good idea. I'm going to meet with Miller, uh, who... He's like, I lost two years and a wife um, from investigating (laughs) this article and what happened to your family. I got too deep into it. Like, I'm just going to be right off, right up, uh, right up front about that. I'm obsessed with your family and how they died. (laughs) I just, the thing about all of this is there's so much of this, right? Of Miller being like, I got too deep into the mystery and people being like, we couldn't solve the mystery. And then like, the mystery kind of comes out. I'm like, there's so many threads that should have been picked up. Mm-hmm, that, like, mm-hmm. You know, like, and there's just so many people who, sh- I mean, you know, a cab and all that. But like, there's so many people that should have gone to the police and had no reason not to do that. Yes. It, it's very strange. So I'm just like, I don't understand. It seemed like this should have been more of a cult or something. Like it should have been deeper. Yeah. And it was just kind of like not. And I was just kind of, okay, I don't really know how you lost a wife to this, but okay. Like, yeah, I, it seems like maybe you needed some different hobbies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it seems to me that he didn't find anything new. Like he had one additional thing, uh, but like that could have just been a weekend of Google. Like I don't know. Right. Yeah, I didn't understand it either. Of like, it's like what, what were you spending those doing? two years on? <laughs> yeah, trying to break into the house, but like other than then, that, what? And then people kept being like, once they started interacting with people from the case, they kept being like oh, yeah, your story, you got so much wrong. And I'm like, did he? Not, not really. really. Like, yeah. not he got most of it right. I mean, like, it wasn't a suicide because you guys, fab- spoiler, it wasn't a suicide because you guys fabricated that it was a suicide. Mm-hmm. But, like, you can't really blame him for getting that wrong when you made it look that way, you know? like Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> you knew what the what the public was going to think. And, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if I was, like, went to someone and was like, you should listen to our podcast. It's all about the historical inaccuracies in the TV show Rain. Mm -hmm. And then they came back to me and were like, hey, I listened to your podcast. It wasn't even a little bit about that. And I was like, you thought that it was about the historical inaccuracies in the TV show Rain? How dumb are you? Like, you know, like, it's like, well, you told you told him that. Yeah, that's what you, you that's what you, you said. set it up to be that. So why are you mad that he thought that's what it was? Happy. You should be happy. Right. <laughs> um, so Miller is like, hey, your real name, you're actually Serenity Lamb. Your mother and father were wealthy socialites. They were Henry and Martina. Martina, Yeah. Henry and Martina Lamb are your mother and father. Uh, They were, you know, glamorous, always out partying and stuff until they mysteriously became recluses for about seven years. And then their bodies were discovered along with a mysterious third person's body that authorities couldn't identify. And uh, neighbors reported that there were like multiple adults living in the house as well as multiple teenagers but the again the only child that was found uh alive was serenity uh well there was no dead children either the only child that was found period (laughs) serenity um and miller also says that you know the third person they they all signed the suicide note uh and signed their initials and and the third person's initials were dt and miller goes on about how he did this like long investigative process to figure out what DT could stand for. Um, and he says, I think it's a man named David Thompson, but like, there's no information about him out there at all. Now at this point in the book, we've been introduced to some of the characters in the past. I know we're going to get there. I'm not trying to jump yes. around. Um, but I, when he's like, there were three initials, this one, this one, this one. And I'm like, okay, Martina. And that's the dad DT. Who could DT be? Mm-hmm. What does DT stand for? And then my fucking brain went Donald Trump. Don- yep. And, and he was, was there. how I pictured this man for the rest of the book. Oh no. <laughs> Which honestly kind of fits though. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. Mistakes were made. <laughs> <laughs> How devastating! I, I know, really, that really just that up my like experience. There's just the reminder always of that person always. in your mind, and that's it's just devastating. Uh, <laughs> so Libby tells Miller, she's like, "Yeah, I went inside the house by myself, and I think someone's staying in there." And Miller is like, "I need to, I need to go to there. I need to go there and spend the night there." Because I believe that the someone you thought you heard could be one of the siblings that has been missing for years. 
uh, this is my, this is my belief. I'm never going to question it. Like this is, this is just immediately where my mind went. Not just like, you know, a squatter of any other kind or like, you know, (laughs) just it's, it's, it's one of these missing siblings that have been missing for 25 years. Uh, Libby's like, yeah, okay, let's spend the night in my creepy ass house. (laughs) MBD, you're a stranger. There's probably a stranger in my house. It'd be a fun (laughs) time. I think we should all get to know each other. Like Libby, what are you doing? You're... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Libby had to be in the present part of this uh, thriller oh because God. if she had been in the past part, she would have gotten like iced immediately, immediately. just from sheer lack of common sense. Oh my <laughs> God. I just <laughs> truly like no, uh, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Shit. Like self-preservation uh, skills. Yeah. No self-preservation instincts whatsoever. This is, this happens to her multiple times. I'm like, you can't just go to to a second location with strange men you just you gotta look out for yourself she has the whole thing about like she was adopted her parents were great but her dad died when she was eight years old and her mom was like never Mm -hmm. the care like she wasn't the organized one right that was her dad yeah so libby has Mm -hmm. to be the organized one and the one who like plans and things ahead i'm like how how is that your personality when this is the way you're behaving (laughs) he is also so lackadaisical She has the spirit of an heiress even before knowing that that is her face. Yes. <laughs> She's like, you know what? No, no, I am. I am in one of those cozy mysteries where I am a rich young thing <laughs> solving a murder. Uh, the two of them investigate the house and they find uh, that it is very possible for someone to have just come in off a side alley, climbed up some gates and walls to a fire exit get up onto the roof and access the house that way. They're like, oh yeah, I see the path. Uh, so they um, go to the inside of the house to kind of try and match up where it would meet on the outside. And they they get to the room and there's someone in it. There's, there's a man and he says, hello, my name is Finn. I used to live in this house uh, when I was younger. Let me tell you my story about what really happened here. Come to my house. It's right across the street. And the, these two are like, yeah, all right. Okay, we'll sure. Yeah. Second location. Sounds dope. Third location, really, at this point. Third location yeah. for Libby. Let's go. Please. Let's rack them up. Let's try to get to double digits. Come on. So who is Finn? Let's backtrack a little bit to the almost very beginning of this book. <laughs> this entire time, as I said earlier, we've been getting some POV chapters uh, from another character. It's a man named Henry, Henry Jr., who is reflecting back on his youth. Um from the time he was 11 until he's 18 years old. Uh, This is Henry Lamb, Libby's older brother. Uh, He tells us the story of how his family, the Lambs, Henry Sr. and Martina, used to be wealthy socialites, fell in with people who slowly conned them out of their money on the pretense of being like, we love the planet and rich people, eat the rich, you know, like give away all your worldly possessions, be a better person. Um, Henry's mother like suffered from depression and his father had like a series of strokes throughout the rest of his life that left him like weaker and weaker and weaker until finally to the point where he was no longer even able to speak or care for himself. Uh, So they were kind of easily, Martina specifically was easily duped into this, like thinking, giving herself some purpose, you know, and, um, you know, I don't know, like classic MLM sort of uh, victim, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while it is good to like, yes, the wealthy should redistribute their money. And uh, yes, we, you know, should think about the planet and not be such consumerist. But also 
they were being con artists, unfortunately, and stealing all of their money and possessions. But uh, that is a story we will unravel. Um, so basically, Henry's mom meets this woman named Birdie, who is a singer. No, she plays the fiddle in a pop band. Sure, which, yeah. Sure, uh-huh. sure. She's an Ocean Avenue. No, not what are they called? Yellow card. Yeah. She's. They're recording the music video for Ocean Avenue in the Lamb Home. Uh, so basically, yeah, what she's doing is like location scouting. Uh, they decide they're going to film this music video for their band in in the Lamb Home, and they do so. And the song is a hit. But after filming the music video, Birdie and her boyfriend, Justin, could just continue to stay in the house with the lambs. They're like, well, we just need a few days until we find something new. But they just never end up leaving. The lambs are kind of going through money troubles of their own um, and are not able to live as lavish a life as they once did, which is unclear to me if this is like directly related to Birdie and Justin or if it's just they were living outside their means. But um yeah, it's like kind of at the point that Bertie and Justin enter their lives is when they start to lose a lot of their standing and money. The father, he suffers from his first stroke and Bertie is like, well, I know this doctor who's really into like more natural remedies and uh, alternative medicines. I think it'd be really good to bring him here and see if he can help uh, Henry Sr. because it doesn't seem like traditional medicine is doing what it should be doing. So she introduces them to a Dr. David Thompson, who I know moves into the home with his wife, Sally, and their two children, Finn, short for Phineas, and Clemency. That's really just two, two, names two really hard names for kids. <laughs> just like imagine like in the early 90s, just Phineas and Clemency. It also just <laughs> feels like one of them was ready for a cult like right like clemency like if you name your daughter clemency she was primed and phineas is just like i really love jules verne is kind of the vibe there i feel like (laughs) i want to go larp some steampunk things you know like oh gosh yeah absolutely he's got his top hat and pocket watch ready to go and it's just like one of uh, these goggles. one of these things. I guess clemency kind of fits that vibe too, but clemency is more like I want to go join the Amish, I feel like. Um Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It just it just doesn't seem to fit. Yeah. You really gotta think about <laughs> just, these things when you're naming your uh Truly is is siblings. this a name you would give someone in a cult? Mm-hmm. Don't name your Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> um so we learn that life in the house starts to resemble a commune of sorts. Like David starts to teach the lambs how to live more sustainably, which is good. But then they take it to the very extreme saying like, you know, you need to donate all of your money to charity. And of course, David is like, I'll take the money to the charity. I don't want to bother you guys with that. Give me all your money and I'll definitely make sure it gets taken to a charity. Get rid of your nice clothes and possessions, wear thrifted items, and then later handmade clothes um, and then grow and make your own food, but also keep in mind that like we have people here with um, uh, food allergies or like sensitivities to different foods, so you're only going to be eating veggies. Um, so like everyone grows very thin and malnutritioned. Um, Justin acts as a gardener, and uh, David takes over the health of everybody in the house. He leads them. He does like two hours of exercise in the front room every day or something yeah. like that. Birdie teaches everybody music, how to play the fiddle. Uh, Sally teaches them, I guess, everything else you would need to know in school. 
And then the the lambs, I guess Henry Sr. and Martina just kind of hang out. I don't think they do I anything think worthwhile so in this home. <laughs> they just are chilling. I don't know, man. Um, and the lambs decide they are going to homeschool their children with Finn and Clemency and and Sally. Yeah, Sally being their main teacher, uh, which is like Finn or not Finn. Henry was like really excited to go to what he called like the big school. I guess he was moving on from uh, what do they call it? Primary school into his secondary. Yeah, I think they mentioned later on in the book also that like oh he was at school until age 11 here and he was due to start at this other yeah. school but then never showed which up which they say in the book like oh we just ran out of money for for um school fees and so yeah it's just it's just like you can the slow takeover of this family by people on the outside that don't have uh very good motives for what they're doing and the years go on uh, things getting worse and worse for the lambs the children in particular um, and everything really takes a turn t- for, to become darker when David is eventually discovered having a romantic relationship with Bertie. The two of them are both cheating on their partners and that pushes Sally to leave him and the house. But she, she doesn't have a very stable relationship with alcohol and drugs and stuff. And she has a hard time finding a job because of it. So therefore she cannot care for her children. She doesn't have a permanent place for the children to turn to um, they're like Finn especially is very fed up with his dad and hates him with a passion and everything that he does. He's older. He, he kind of, he gets it. He knows what's going on. He has said from the very beginning, like my dad is going to take your entire life and destroy it. He says this to Henry. Um, yeah. And I think he mentions there have been other yeah. attempts at similar cons mm-hmm. in other yeah, places. You guys aren't the first. Um, so he's just, he's very angsty and, um, wants to spend time with his mom, but his mom has nowhere to, to keep him long-term. So he has to kind of return to this bad situation, uh, where his dad is becoming more and more abusive, uh, the longer that Sally is away and the further involved he becomes with Birdie, who they imply that like Birdie is the one who like brought out all of this nasty stuff in David, but literally Birdie is just a name. Like we don't. We don't have yeah. anything about this woman, like hardly any dialogue. She's hardly ever on the page. She's just kind of like this ghost in the book that everything bad is to blame on her. And I'm like, okay, but like, who was this woman? Why was this woman? Like, it almost seems like Birdie was like a late edition add to the mm-hmm. book. Like that at first it was just uh, David showing up and then like, the author or like you know this family moves in and then the author was like well why would they move in and then the author was like also why would the mom move out and then was like wait i've got it you know because yeah it she she's a little sinister in her like uh various smirkings at Mm -hmm. various times but that's pretty much it she doesn't like and she's always lumped in with David, like, oh, there's all these rules that they're enforced and david and birdie are writing them but david is clearly the villain Yes, and it feels a little bit odd to to place the blame on Birdie, who's just kind of there. Yeah, and and you know that might be something like Henry is very like mm-hmm. biased against her because she was the one that started all of this. So this may just be like unreliable narrator blaming it all on her. But like, it just doesn't feel like that's the full answer. Here's the part where I feel like it becomes a problem. Um, is as we go on, we find actually pretty early. I feel like Henry is gay and he mm-hmm. is the only gay character in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, he 
has a crush on Finn, but he also thinks David is very handsome. Mm-hmm. And there is a part where Birdie, uh, when he catches, because he's the one who re- catches Birdie and David making out and then reveals it to people and that leads to all this blow up. He, the way he describes David and Birdie kissing, he is horrified by the fact that Birdie is like a lot who he perceives as hideous yeah. is allowed to like have a sexual relation with this beautiful man. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is saying some things about Henry as a character yeah. and gayness because he is the only gay character. I know it's me. I'm here to harp on how things aren't handled well in terms of <laughs> queer politics, but they aren't. So like that is, that there, is true. Th- I'd forgotten that like, yes, there is David this for a while weird thing of he just seems to hate Birdie mm-hmm. because Birdie is the one receiving handsome David's attention. Yes. Right. And it's just like, and I think that's even alluded to like, like I think um, way down the line clemency is like, Oh, you either wanted to like, he would either, you would be one of the favored ones or you would be like on the outs and you didn't want to be on the outs. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. So like there is kind of this thing of him being like, Oh, birdie is the favored one and that is the position that i want to be in but that's never really verbalized in that way it's never like he's never like man i wish i was being taken care of the way birdie Mm -hmm. is it just seems like he's like sexually envious of birdie in this moment Mm -hmm. of you know like the fact that she gets to interact with a man in this way and he doesn't and i'm like yo this is Really leaning into the evil homosexual thing, and I'm not sure I'm a fan. It is a little bit unfortunate that, um, well, we'll, the whole thing. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. (laughs) We'll get there. It's not the only thing I have to say about that particular trope in this particular book. Um. So Justin, Justin, Birdie's ex, he kind of stays on for a while, keeping his head down, just doing the agriculture thing. He starts to teach Henry about it. He's like, yeah, man, you can grow herbs, you can grow vegetables, you can grow literally anything, like even things that are illicit, illegal, like, you know, drugs. And Henry's like, ah, I see. Yes. And also like poisons. And he does. Justin does eventually leave. He sneaks away in the middle of the night because this is literally I think that like he would not be able allowed to leave. Um, just he wouldn't be allowed to move out normally. So he does sneak out. Um, and he offers to take Henry with him. Like, I guess kind of props to Justin a little bit. Like he, he offers to take Henry. He's like, do you want to come with me to this little like I found a job up north that we, you room and board is provided. All you have to do is like grow vegetables on this plot or whatever. And Henry's like, well, I'm only 14. And Justin's like, mm, fair point. And doesn't like make any other attempt to persuade him and then just disappears. Um, but he does leave behind these books on like, uh, it's not, no, it's wicked. He leaves behind these, these like cook potion books. I don't know. It's like, it's yeah, recipes to make like spells and Wiccan spells. And, and I think it's specifically Wiccan. I might be. I think they say Wicca. Yeah. But I mean, in that I way, that's wrong. like mm, witchcraft, you know? Um, uh, yeah, so he leaves behind these spell books and, and also books on how to, like, grow things. And um, Henry puts those to good use, let's just say. We'll get there. Um, David becomes more and more obsessed with controlling the family. He's making more and more absurd rules for them, like no locks on the insides of doors. All doors can only be locked from the outside, even bathroom doors. 
you know, everyone must be present for every meal. There is no shouting, no running allowed in the house, no shoes eventually. Um, so that way, you know, no. That was a weird one, right? Yeah, a little bit. Like they were like, you need to go barefoot to reduce your carbon footprint. Like, well, the shoes are already made. So you yeah. might as well just I keep also, wearing them. I also feel like there are um, that sort of vibe. Uh, like there's grounding, right? Like that is a thing that people certain people believe in that if you touch the earth more with your feet mm-hmm. then you will be healed more so they could have like done that and but i they mean forced everyone to stay in the house so yeah so really. that, but i mean it's supposed to still work through like some anyway like i get it from the terms of control of like yeah it's really weird to like it, it is much harder to escape if you aren't allowed shoes mm-hmm. right because mm-hmm. people are going to ask questions yeah. but also like you would want people asking questions Absolutely. up until the end of this, you know? So it just kind of seemed like, huh, okay, interesting choice. Yeah, I'm like, there were a lot of times when any of these children, before, like, the rules became so stringent, could have just left, and they did. They just, like, left the house and went and hung out places and did stuff. And I'm like, at any point in time before, before like, the next series of events where things get really bad, I'm like, could have just, like told somebody but yeah I think it's trying to be played as that thing of which I think is a real thing with trauma Mm -hmm. of kids being afraid of getting the people that are inflicting the trauma onto them in trouble right because it's like even if um like if Finn went and told someone it's like well what's going to happen to him what's going to happen to his sister Mm -hmm. because if his dad is separate everybody Right. If his dad is taken away and put in prison or whatever, like his mom still does not have space mm-hmm. for them. Right. So it's like, is it better to stay in these conditions and be able to keep an eye on like what's going on or like and hope that it gets better? And like, I'm almost 18, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then for like Henry, especially, it's like, well, uh, I, we don't have any jobs or money or anything. And Henry isn't really getting the brunt of the like abuse that's, that's Finn, mainly yeah. Finn, mm-hmm. right that's true he's kind of a seems mostly like Punching a bystander bag. in a lot of that yeah um, yeah uh so then one night henry and finn they sneak out they decide to drop some acid that they had purchased one of the times when they were still allowed to go out and about um and they get really high and at this point, Henry is like fully in love with Finn and knows he is and probably has been since the first time he even saw Finn. Um, and the two sneak out to the river to get away from David's rule for a while. Um, but the two have some kind of argument and then Finn pushes Henry into the river. And Henry is extremely angry about this. He's like, I could have died. Like, because I guess he, he, because he's wearing his clothes and his shoes, he has a hard time like resurfacing. Uh, and it's just absolutely livid. And in retaliation, runs back to the house and rings the front doorbell doorbell revealing to David that the two of them have snuck out of the house. And of course, like Finn gets all of the, the punishment. He is locked in his room for like a week of isolation. And Finn has a hatred towards Henry forever after that. And oddly, Finn also starts displaying signs of some sort of serious sickness after this as well. Hmm. Question marks. Hmm. What could it be? What could it be? Uh, and then some time passes and David announces that Henry's mother is pregnant with his child. David's child, not Henry's child. 
David, <laughs> David had sex with Martina and now she is pregnant. Um, Birdie cannot conceive. Uh, so this mom, uh, Martina has decided to step in as a surrogate kind of, um, the way that David talks about it is like, it will be a child of both families and it will bring us together and give everyone a reason to rally together, solve a lot of our, you know, interpersonal problems, yada, yada, yada. So David kind of presents this as like, you know, the three of us will raise the child by itself. You know, I have some serious doubts about that after, you know, reading what happens next in this book. But um, Henry is absolutely furious about this. Um, one, because uh, someone has defiled his perfect, beautiful mother that he worships and uh, that David has tricked her into doing this. And um, I, I guess also, like if we're if we're thinking back about the whole birdie thing, too, maybe that David has again, once again, slept around, you know, has no he, mm. he says Henry frames this as like. I have no tolerance at all for cheaters or people who people who stray in their relationships. And so I think he sees this as like, you know, a huge act of disloyalty, which it is. It's a weird sex cult thing, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's just very like, uh, I don't know. Well, and he goes to his dad and he's like, what's up with this? And his dad just kind of like, whatever. Like, yeah, I at don't that point, care. dad is like, so fully checked out because of his health stuff. And just he he. There was a moment earlier in the book, the two of them have a conversation of like, Henry's like, you're just going to like, let these people do this to us. And the dad is like, well, it's making your mom happy. So it's kind of always just a little bit of a loser. (laughs) (laughs) And like very early on when David's introduced, he's like, yeah, basically goes into how weak his dad is in comparison to David and how he just becomes increasingly weak in comparison to David. And there's all of this like, uh, I, I feel like there there is something to be said here about the parallels between um, what is happening with his dad and David and Henry and Finn, mm-hmm. right? Of like, one of them has to be weak so that the other can be the strong one, right? Yes. Like, uh, yeah, it's he he very much is like obsessed with this idea of like weakness in in his father and. He doesn't really, like, harp on about it as much as with the women, but he's really, like, my dad is weak, and and mm-hmm. he hates him for that. So, um, Henry, in his anger, decides that he's going to solve this problem, and the only way to solve it is to grow something in his garden that he can feed his mother that will help terminate her pregnancy. And he, he succeeds. Kind of like it's it's later revealed that maybe this wasn't a healthy pregnancy to begin with because of like some of the things that he was using. But also, like we know by that point of the book, Henry is a very unreliable narrator. But his mother, like she loses the baby and then falls into a deep depression that she never fully recovers from. Um, both both Martina and her husband now are just like fully just they don't care what happens to them anymore. Really, they're just they're just there existing. Um. David, obviously, is furious, leaves the mother to her grief, you know, doesn't, doesn't ever try to console her, doesn't try to, uh, doesn't try to help her heal from this at all, doesn't really even seem to care about her anymore at this point, like, as if, like, to say she had one job and she couldn't do it, so, you know, fuck her, I've got all her money, who cares? Um, so at this point in the story, we will jump back to Libby and Miller, who they are told all of these things that I have just spent the last 
20 minutes telling you. Uh, they are told all of these things by Finn as they are having wine pushed on them. Miller, you know, he's the very good investigative journalist. He he records this conversation on his phone. He's a very good boy. But they wake up the next morning, um, not really having a lot of memories of what happened the night before. They wake up the next morning in a guest room at Finn's house and are quick to discover that they are locked in the bedroom and their phones are missing. Which is really suspicious because they're like, no, we had our phones when we went to sleep. Where are they? This feels very much like that now they have been. It's a trap. Kidnapped, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Adult napped. Um, Held against their will. Yes. <laughs> After some time, Finn returns and he's like, oh my gosh, it's, oh, I can't believe this happened. My bad, guys. I goofed. I goofed real bad. I, you see, like, something, something. I sleepwalk, maybe. I, I don't really remember what his it excuse was. That was. He sleepwalks so that he locks the door so that he doesn't accidentally bother people. He forgot to tell them because they were all drunk. Their phones are mm. on the charger in the other room. In the kitchen, yes. Everything's fine. And he left early to go for a run. That's why he couldn't hear them banging on the door and screaming to be let out. Many apologies. Uh, yeah, he's like, you guys left your phones charging in the kitchen, don't you remember? And Miller's like, no, I fell asleep with my phone in my hands. What are you talking about? But the two of them make nice. They have an awkward breakfast and leave as quickly as possible, feeling super uncomfortable with this whole situation. As they should. I don't know why they stayed for breakfast. (laughs) Because it was avocados. Everyone loves a good Um, avocado. Except Miller, LOL. He was like, "Mm, I'm a millennial and I miss that boat. And Finn's like, are you really? Because you look fucking old. (laughs) (laughs) Not in so many words, but that was the implication. uh Livy goes to work that day um and then gets a call from Miller later in the afternoon and he's like okay my recording of that whole conversation we had last night has been completely deleted <gasps> she's like are you sure you recorded it and he's like yeah I even named the file dude like I know what it looks like to record a conversation on my phone she's like okay uh they both kind of come to the conclusion that must Finn- be nice must be nice to be so sure that you just forgot to record, hit record you know? Yeah, record, um, and you have the right microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Uh, they, they both come to the conclusion Finn has probably drugged us, and uh, Miller suggests that, like, hey, let's not continue this conversation on the phone because I would not doubt that he has bugged our phones. He had. Um, and so they meet together at a cafe to continue discussing what they should do. Um, Miller's like, I've done the thing. I've Googled some more, um, on some of the names that I do remember Finn dropping the previous night. And he's like, I found this woman, uh, who used to be named Sally Thompson now has a new name, her maiden name. I can't remember, uh, who lives in Cornwall, which is where Phineas said he thinks, uh, his mom lived and they go up to Cornwall to investigate. Uh, They meet Sally, who basically confirms that, yes, I was the Sally who was married to David Thompson. I refuse to talk anymore about this subject. And they also learn through her that Sally's daughter, Clemency, also lives in the area, but doesn't want to talk to them at all about what happened because of the trauma. She never talks about it to anyone. Don't bother her. This will just, she's got a lot of PTSD, please. They go to her anyway. They ignore that completely. (laughs) They're like, um, don't you know I'm Serenity Lamb? (laughs) I mean, like, it is, I feel, I don't know. Like, I'm like, I don't think, I feel like so much of all of this is, like, 
oh, but we don't want to poke at the, you know, we didn't, we didn't want to upset the thing, right? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, especially as, you know, we get to the end of this, specifically with uh, clemency, right? Of like, mm-hmm. the way that clemency reacted to all of this is wild. And um, the way that Sally reacted to her daughter's reaction, also wild. And I just feel like, it, it felt like there was some other mystery there with the two of them in terms of like, why do they not want this brought to light mm-hmm. aside from just like, because of the fact that to them, Finn is still missing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I get it. She has PTSD. She doesn't want to talk about it. Whatever. Sally does not. And Sally was a mother would, of a would child. Would want to look desperately who, for her. Son. Right. Who yeah. has been missing for 25 years now. Yeah. Like, it's wild that she was just like, mm, let's just not talk about it. Like that's, yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's a British thing, but yeah, it is. We- and especially because like the last clemency saw of her brother was, he was like very ill and mm-hmm. not great things were happening in his, in his surrounding areas at that moment. So like you'd think she'd, you know, if not track down Finn, track down the others and be right. like, what the fuck happened to my brother? And they're like, well, we checked all the hospitals. And it's yeah. like, we just figured he'd come to us one day. Well, he That's didn't. a wild assumption. That is absolutely wild. <laughs> you know, well, we can't all be a little serenity lamb wanting to look and see what happened to her. I family. guess. <laughs> um, th- they go to clemency and they're like, hey, we've been talking to your brother, Finn. And she's like, are you sure? Because I have had no contact with my brother for the last 25 years. Uh, we have no idea where he is. And then they kind of like talk a little bit more. She's like, you weren't talking to Finn. You were talking to Henry and you need to be careful because he is an evil person who has killed a cat and tried to drown my brother in the river. And then she goes on to tell them from her point of view, what happened the night of the suicide pact. We don't get it from her point of view though. We get it from Henry's where he like does this thing where he breaks the fourth wall and he's like, okay, let me tell you like, so yeah, it's because it's kind of at this point revealed that he, this whole time he's his perspective is the only one that's in first person, right? Yes. And he's been basically like this is him telling Serenity this whole story, right? Because he says like you were this and you were that, right? Yeah, you, you it, were it such seems a sweet to be, baby. but um, but I mean I like he's know. not actually ever telling her this. It's yeah, just like yeah. it's very Joe from you, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, um, yes, extremely. So yeah, and I think there is like like in-universe explanation of that he has bugged their phones and is listening to them and that's why he's like breaking in at this point that's why he can respond yeah well that's not exactly what happened i didn't really kill the cat or i didn't mean to at least you know yeah uh but before we get into what did actually happen back at the mansion in chelsea we get a scene of a woman named lucy breaking into the lamb's house and running into a man that she recognizes as henry lamb who is Lucy? Time to backtrack again, back to the beginning of the book. Because remember, <laughs> we've had three point of views from the first, fr- from the very get go. And this one to me, I was like, okay, I get why we have these three POVs. I get it. Because, okay, it's, it's the three siblings. This is Lucy Lamb. She is the, she's the third child, the, the older sister, <laughs> the, the older sister of, of Serenity that has been missing also. We get, um, you know, the three siblings. Each one gets a POV. But like hers, I was like, nothing is happening. It is very like nothing. <laughs> she, she's in France and she wants to get back to the house. How's she gonna do How it? How's she gonna do it? 
well, I'll draw it out for 300 pages. Just one, one page chapters at a time. Like, I'm just like, please. I feel like I can probably <laughs> summarize all of the Lucy stuff in like maybe Go a minute. It. Yeah. Okay. I, my, my thing on, on her, I'm like, this is like, my fingers are not very far apart for those of yes, you that aren't looking at me right now. Like, this is how much notes I have on what happened to Lucy in the first two thirds of this book. So yeah, tell us, all tell right. us what happened. I'm going to check the time and go. All right. So Lucy, uh, she has two kids. One of them is from a very abusive marriage with a rich guy. One is from the love of her life. who ran away to another country after they had the kid. Um, she is very poor, works as a street musician playing violin, wants to go back to England now in order to meet the baby because she set a reminder on her phone for when the baby would be 25 and able to inherit the house. Um, she ends up having to go to the father of her first son and be like, hey, please give me passports um, so we can all leave France and go to England. Uh, he's like, yep, yeah, we'll do, but you're going to owe me. They have a sexual encounter. It gets very bad. She uh, stabs him to death, and then they all go to England. Yes. There it is. There it is. That's what happened. That was um, well under a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and imagine having to get to like two-thirds of the way through this book. Um yeah, so basically, just like to fill in some small gaps, is is she uh, gets a notification on her phone one day that says the baby's 25. We're kind of led to believe that it's a text message, but it's apparently just a calendar notification that she'd had in her it's that she had in her smartphone for the past 25 years. Uh, <laughs> she says something at some point where she's like, as soon as I got a phone that was able okay. to do that, I did that. And it's like, it seems like, like there was probably hmm. long enough of a break between you not having a phone and then you having a phone yeah. that like you had remembered thus far i You've don't constantly know. been remembering yeah like i don't know that the notification was necessary but okay yeah it's fine uh, um and she has to make a deal with her abusive ex for passports because she does not have a valid legal passport never had because she was she was smuggled into the country essentially after the events of what happened in her house as a child after the suicide pact she was smuggled to France um her her ex gave her her first like her first fake passport which is the name she goes by now um but that has expired and her son has a passport but it doesn't have the same name on it and like her youngest daughter doesn't have one and they need also need one for their fucking dog um so yeah she goes to him and he has kind of he's like a a rich just a rich guy rich, who rich has man. underworld connections essentially and uh he does like the 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 payback i guess for um procuring these very expensive illegal passports for her is that she will have sex with him but it does quickly turn into a very non-consensual situation i mean it was already dubious you know because mm -hmm. she he was the whole the whole circumstances but it becomes very non-consensual very obviously so uh very quickly and she does stab him uh as he is doing that and um she takes a moment and she's like you know what i have the illegal passports i'm just gonna hide his body clean up the crime scene and uh take the kids and go uh and it's later revealed that like you it's know fine. people just thought it was his underworld connections came yeah. and killed him and that's Which, what happened so i guess that's kind of the plot of the second book apparently his wife is a character in that and she's uh, trying to figure out what happened and then there are more connections that connect these families or some bullshit but that's uh, that's what that uh, was a setup for but i see seems like a lot of setup for a thing in a book that i'm may or may not read you know Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I just, I don't like it when sequels, like, have a different, 
narrator. Well, I think they keep, from what I read, they keep Henry and Lucy as narrators, but then they add in. I think Libby gets the boot, maybe. Poor Libby. She's the only one that was like, this is okay (laughs) to read from. Okay. So now you know who Lucy is. Let's go back to the Henry POV. He reveals to the reader that, okay, yes, he did kill the cat, but it was a total accident. He was trying to, like, come up with a uh, some sort of combination of belladonna and other herbs that would simply knock somebody out. But he messed up the proportions, fed it to the cat. The cat full-on died. Um, and uh, he, did, he didn't just randomly push Finn into the river. They were kind of pushing each other because... So it turns out Henry, at, while they were on the riverbank, tried to kiss Finn, and Finn rejected him harshly. But really, Henry isn't a bad person. He was just trying to do what's best for his family under the circumstances, right? Like this is this is Henry saying that, not me. Um. <laughs> Honestly, I kind of buy it. Like I'm like, yeah, okay. He's trying to figure out. He's in this traumatic situation. Yeah. He's trying to figure out the one weapon he has, which is poison. And he mm-hmm. does like if we accept that he doesn't want to kill everyone outright. He just wants to put them to sleep. He just wants to knock them out so he can escape. It's like, yeah, I'd rather you test it on the cat than someone else. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. So and then the the pushing stuff. I'm like, yeah, I could see how that would go. It seems like. Yeah, this was the very early 90s. Yeah, I believe that he maybe instigated things and then like Finn is just bigger and stronger than him at that point. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, he's the one who ended up in the river, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, So back in the 90s, David reveals that Henry's younger sister, Lucy Lamb, is now pregnant with his child. Uh, Just to put this in perspective, Henry's sister Lucy is 14. And David is 41. Very gross. Disgusting. Um, This was a, uh, according to Lucy, a consensual thing. She seems pleased about it because like her mother, she's totally bought into David's character of, you know, the, the very like hippie sort of, I don't want to say hippie in a derogatory term, but like, you know, like just, uh, what, like, um, Shit, I can't think of. Communal? Yeah, like new age kind of doctor, yeah. you know, that whole thing. She's bought into that. She fully believes that he's trying to do what's best for them. Which is why uh, I was so sure for the longest time writing this book that the Lucy that we're getting the POV from was clemency, right? Because I'm mm-hmm. like, why? Like, there's not really any, any indication if it's um, her baby or just a random baby. She, when she meets Finn, she's like, it might have been my Finn slash Henry she's like was it my brother I couldn't tell and then I was like oh you're Henry so it's like trying to obfuscate and then they meet clemency mm-hmm. and it's like oh okay so I guess clemency is clemency and this is because she Lucy just is Lucy, she yeah. seems so much more like and I'm, I mean I guess maybe that's the point of like compared to her mother who's so flighty and whatnot she seems so like gotta get stuff done but i guess you would be if you went through this but the way that lucy's presented in the past is just kind of like again kind of not really a real character just kind of like just barely a plot point yeah Um, which i guess like yeah like you said just to kind of keep it all under wraps so you could have this big reveal of yeah who everyone was which again i'm like okay okay um Clemency uh, is very disturbed by this turn of events that her very close friend would have sex with her dad. Uh, Fair. Fair. And so she and Henry start to plot a way out of the house for the kids for good. 
Um, Henry also comes to this conclusion that David is trying to steal the whole house from his family. Um, he knows a little bit about like his, his dad probably has like a trust set up and, uh, but doesn't know how updated the documents are. Thinks that maybe David has tried to like change the will to say that like, you know, in the event that Henry or Lucy couldn't inherit, then their child would be able to. And, you know, by, by, uh, then David would basically own the house because it was his kid. Right. Uh, Which so I'm sure there would be no legal, legal repercussions when yeah. people realize that he had sex with a 14 year old was the father of this child who was yeah. a 14 year old's kid. Yeah. Like, come on, dude, think it through. Think it through. I mean, you're trying, you're trying to do a property crime in, in, in the course <laughs> revealing that you did a sex crime. Like, yeah. that seems like even worse. That seems like maybe a bad idea. <laughs> the fact uh, that they brought, cause they, you know, he goes and sorry to jump ahead. He goes and explores, uh, knocks Bertie and David out, goes to their room and, mm. uh, finds a bunch of their shit, including the will. Right. Which yeah. shows that he was correct, that David did try to change this will or whatever. And it's like, why would you why would you need to do the legal side of it, which is leaving a paper trail to the fact that you fucked a 14 year old instead of being like, um, just be like, OK, so now I've got this 14 year old who is going to be the mother of my kid. Her parents don't do shit like they're what are they going to do? Yeah. Like, why do you need what's stopping you from just living here? Right. Like she's going to be under your thumb. I guess you'd have Henry to kind of deal with. But like Henry hasn't really shown any outward displays of yeah. like i am not under your thumb you know it's just like if you like, lock them in their rooms right they're or all just, weak from malnutrition yeah just murder him like you're murder, at just, that point already yeah you've pretty much done every other crime just murder him yeah just murder you the fucked a 14 year old so like where are your moral you boundaries have no morals, you know yeah. like come on just murder the other teenager yeah <laughs> So, um, yeah, so Henry does, he, he, he drugs Bertie and David, uh, with his like little Belladonna concoction that he's made. Um, and he goes into their room, finds all like a lot of his family's possessions, a lot of money, uh, signs that Bertie and David specifically weren't adhering to the strict lifestyle that they were forcing on the rest of the family. He finds shoes in their room. Oh, oh my God. Shoes. I know. Uh, and just like random weird memorabilia from his life like he finds an old pencil case from when he used to go to school when he was 11 years old just like weird stuff why are they keeping that i don't know i just (laughs) but yeah so um he becomes even angrier now some some time passes um between henry's discovery and the baby is born and they name that baby serenity lamb oh hey it's the baby that's the baby the baby is 25 uh, everyone loves the baby, but Lucy is very upset when David and Birdie take the baby away from her and basically they raise it on their own and they don't let Lucy be involved with the baby anymore. She's kind of cast to the side. Then David announces that they're going to throw a 30th birthday party for Birdie, which was wild to me that she was only 30 years old. I was like, these are the actions of someone much older and bitterer, but you know, <laughs> I guess 30 is fine, too. I mean, she's Um, a pop star. She can't be that old. That's true. That is true. Um, Henry's path becomes clear to him. He says, what we'll do is drug all of the adults at the party to give the children time to grab some money, some jewels, items to pawn from Bertie and David's room, and then we're going to book it out of here and head to the police station. Everybody cool? Cool. 
He drugs the food and drink, and the adults all fall asleep. But while they're ransacking Bertie and David's room, Bertie makes an appearance. Is like, hey, what are you fucks doing? And Henry ends up killing her with like a some kind of antler or something yeah, like, like they a, have a lot of mounted animal heads and i think they yeah. even like mention they try to check off's gun that they mentioned them so many times yeah they're, they like mention or from uh libby's perspective mm-hmm. they're like uh journalist dude is like you know they used to have a bunch of like antlers and stuff in here like hunter's trophies on the walls you know like yeah I'm like ah it all comes back <laughs> I will never, I will never look at a, uh, uh, mounted animal again, the same way in a book. Always be thinking it's a possible murder weapon. So, um, Henry kills Bertie and then he hears the other two, I think Clemency and Lucy or I don't know, some combination of children ended up staying downstairs and they're like, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Well, come to find out that Henry's drugs, which were supposed to just knock out the adults for a small period of time, like maybe 20 minutes actually killed them. All three of them are dead. Um, and everyone kind of panics and Finn starts to especially like starts to get really panicky. And Henry's like, I need to lock you in your room for your safety. So he does that. Uh, and then Clemency just fucking full on runs away the first chance she's she gets. like, I'm done. I'm she's done. like, I I'm can't done. anymore. I'm going to my mother in Cornwall. Goodbye. And I don't know, like the way that they describe Clemency, like her, her flight from this home to, to find her mother. I was like, that was very resourceful of her. Like she was like, I remember like my mom never gave us an address, but I remember her describing the things that were around her house. And I just, I took that information and found her. Damn. And she, like, tries to go to a hospital first and be like, hey, my brother is sick and needs, like, medical yeah, attention. Yeah, she does think about him first. But then, <laughs> but then, like, as soon as they press the issue, she, like, clams up and can't talk anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, which, uh, trauma response, sure, totally. But then, again, the fact that she then ran to her mother's house and was like, oh, my gosh, mom, all this crazy shit happened. Finn is still there. What do we do? And mm-hmm. her mom's like, I guess just wait and see. I guess just like, chill, man. Yeah, and I think they, yeah, they like, she told her mom the version of events of like, you know, we, they had a suicide pact and, mm-hmm. and yeah, but even then I'm like. You would want to know where your fucking kid yeah, was. You knew your child was suffering from abuse. Like you did know that. Uh, you just had, did not have the means to take them from their father. Like. And I mean, this becomes, as as discussed, a hugely publicized case. So why yeah. her mother wouldn't go to, like, the media and be like, hey, my kids were in the house. They were part of this weird cult. Like, my daughter escaped. I don't know where my son is. Can anyone help me find my son? Like, the fact that she didn't ever do that is wild to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really it doesn't make sense it like, was it's it almost a, negligent right She's yes. like, i have one child back and that's more than i thought I, i'd ever have i guess this is a real sophie's choice no no it's nope. not no nope. i can just have the one back if i go to the media i'll lose her forever in what way in what like, way <laughs> yeah like i don't i don't know what the thought process was like if she was if that was it that she was scared that like if she revealed that she you know had but it's like, no, of course not. People would be, there's so much of that with like all of the, the kids all being like, if we go to the cops, they're never going to believe us. And it's like, you're, you're like 16 years old and weigh 95 pounds. Like they're mm-hmm. going to know something's up. Yeah. You're 15 and you have a baby. Like they're going to know something's gonna up. They're going to know something about that's weird. Like. <sighs> no one has seen any of you for seven years. 
<laughs> and you were a very public family for a long time. <laughs> the man who delivers the vegetables thought that it was a nunnery. And yeah. you guys are going to be like, it's not. If you come not. out of there pregnant, they're going to know. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna want to know some deets. And they're probably going to be like, <laughs> sex cult? Yeah, at sounds, least one follow-up question. <laughs> uh, and so then um, Henry, it's kind of revealed to Henry that the baby was not Lucy and David's baby. It's actually Lucy and Finn's baby. They had sex twice during the time that Lucy was also having sexual relations with uh, his father. And uh, that's what got her pregnant. I don't know why she's so certain. Yeah, seems. Is my question. Like, she's like, no, it's full on Finn's baby. I'm like, well, you're 15. Also, they kind of make the comment, like Henry makes the comment of like, oh, I should have known when I saw the baby. It doesn't look like Lucy and it certainly doesn't look like David. Babies it looks... look like little bundles of wrinkles at that age. Right. <laughs> but he's like, it looks exactly like Finn. And I'm like, and Finn's father is. Like, yeah, yeah, like it. The genetics are from. Like, I guess you could make the argument, oh, it looks more like Shelly. In which mm-hmm. case, it's like, okay, sure. But. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's but but Lucy and Finn and then eventually Henry are all very convinced that this is correct. And that's whatever. Just adds another little twist again that I'm just like, okay, okay. <laughs> the, the first one was bad enough. Um Henry then he is revealed to us as the readers and like we can kind of infer Henry gets really angry about this information and he locks Finn like handcuffs him to a radiator or something uh and then falls asleep looking at him like he Henry's like we fell asleep in each other's arms and we kind of like made up but then it's like actually no that's not quite what happened like you Finn was like will you let me go if I kiss you and then no sorry you told Finn you would let him go if he kissed you and then like you forced yourself on him like in a weird makeout session and then fell asleep and then Lucy took Finn while you were sleeping to a nearby doctor um their their old family doctor who was like not part of the um he's like a private practitioner um yeah so um she she took him to the nearby doctor who treats them for their malnutrition because apparently that was what was wrong with mostly what was wrong with Finn. Though, again, it is later revealed that Henry was feeding him love potions that made him sick. Um, and by the time that the doctor releases Lucy and Finn from his care, the police have already been called to the house and the baby has been taken away by a social worker. So they just they those two just flee to France. They're just like, well, again, there's absolutely nothing we can do to which they they are making it seem like, OK, we will get in trouble for murder if this is revealed. Right. Mm-hmm. But they didn't murder anyone. Henry. Yeah, did. they're even, fine. Even, they're in the clear. Even if we accept like because. This book is kind of sort of implying that maybe Henry did this on purpose, which honestly, if he did, good for him. Good for um, him. This was a shitty circumstance. He absolutely should have murdered everybody, all of the adults involved in this. No, yeah. absolutely nothing wrong there, I think. If you are a 17-year-old and have been in this situation for, or 18-year-old and have been in this situation for seven years, and yeah, like, go ahead, murder him. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Yeah, good for you. But then, like... The idea that Lucy was so upset about the fact that Bertie and David were acting like the kid wasn't hers, right? And, like, to the point where at the birthday dinner, like, David calls Bertie the mother of his child. And it's like, dude, gross. Yeah. She's yeah. so upset about that. 
that she comes to the side of like, okay, we do have to bust out of here. I'm not down with the cult anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't care enough to be like, Hey, I'm just going to go tell them what happened or even go along with the story of like, it was a murder suicide, which they seem to have bought, but just be like, yeah, we were like imprisoned there and only escaped when they killed themselves. Right. Like everyone would believe that no one. And then you would at least be in the baby's life. Right. Yeah. Yeah wild i don't know yeah i but they're all like so worried about getting caught and being murdered and i'm like blamed for all of this and i'm like your your children who were abused right even they can see the physical evidence of that and if if you really want to like lucy knows lucy has seen henry's weird obsession with finn and like she I mean, it wouldn't be good, but she could easily just throw Henry under the bus if it turned into yeah. like, well, they were murdered to be like, yeah, my brother did because yeah, we were being did abused. To, pre- to protect us. Right. But no, they're like, we can't possibly let anyone know that we exist. We have to go into hiding. And Libby kind of calls this out. Like, she's like, yeah, it was kind of stupid that they did that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it kind of was, which is why this doesn't, like, this is a weird thriller because it's like 25 years later and we're sitting here, like, looking yeah. back on this. Like, I feel like if if it had just been the past story, I kind of would have bought this more of, like, because there would be that chance that, like, maybe in a month or so after the book ends, they, you know, go and tell all or whatever once things yeah. have calmed down a bit. But, but because it's like, they just chilled for 25 years. They just don't do shit about shit for 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> they could have gone to the fucking journalist when this first dropped and been like, hey, I'm one of those kids. Let's yeah. let's do a tell all and I'll make a million yes. pounds. Like, come yes. on. But, um, so... Lucy and Finn are uh, bundled away to France in the dead of night. Um, and eventually Finn vanishes uh, from from where the little little place they were staying at in France as he is going to Nice. Lucy tries to follow him there, can never find him. Uh, he's just, he's gone. He's vanished. No one sees Finn again. Um, and Henry then talks about, he's like, well, yeah, when I woke up from my deep sleep, uh, Lucy and Finn were gone. So... I did the only thing I could do, which was finish staging this dinner party to look like a cult suicide thing called police and then vanished myself. But he stayed um, long enough to take care of the baby. Yeah, he did take care of the baby, changed her, changed her diaper, wrote the note that she needed to go to a good family and blah, 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 blah. So good for Henry, I guess. I'm honestly team Henry. I don't think Henry <laughs> did. I mean, he did like a little bit of a creepy thing with his crush, but like. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It seems like. Well, so at the end of the book, I'm just like, mm, I don't know. Right. Which is why I, I have things to say about the end of the book. <laughs> so now we know what happened in the past. In the present, Henry sends a picture of himself and Lucy at the house to Libby's cell phone. And he's like, hey, we're here at the house. We're ready to be reunited with the baby. Uh, Libby's like, the fuck? She goes to the house and they're like, surprise, we're family. They tell her. You know, I'm I'm Lucy. I'm Henry. This is what we've been doing in the meantime. Um, they the big like reveal here is that Lucy and Henry, they both desperately wanted to be reunited as a family with the baby. Um, Lucy, especially never forgot her first child. Um, but neither of them had proof of their identities because their passports expired while they were being controlled by David. They had assumed new identities after the fact, like Henry just kind of went 
uh, incognito, got a job with some people who didn't look at his credentials and then, you know, continued to get better and better jobs until he was actually pretty wealthy again in his own right. Hey, gang. I know this, like, worked for, like, Anastasia of, like, they didn't have DNA testing then. But, but but, like, you could just go and be like, hey, I'm this missing kid. And they exhume my body, my parents' bodies, and you will find out. <laughs> like, we'll find out. It's come on, come 100%. on, gang. <laughs> I know this is the part. I was like, this is so dumb. Like this whole thing of like waiting twenty five years. So, and then Lucy, of course, was off in France and and being trapped in a terrible relationship with a terrible man, and yada yada yada. But um, they neither of them came forward to inherit the house because of that. So. They were like, well, we do know also that the, our only chance to see the baby again, Libby again, is if she inherits the house when she turns 25, then we'll know exactly when she'll be here. Um, you know, we'll be able to talk to her about this and we'll be able to be a family again. So they, they resolved to wait until Libby turned 25 in order to meet her. Like Henry had rented out that Airbnb across the street and was just like spying on this house for the month leading up to Libby's birthday, just like until she got there and and then started like stalking her, doing just a little bit of light stalking where he bugged her phone, whatever. <laughs> um, Libby is apparently satisfied with all this. She's like, cool. I am so happy. I have an old, I have a mom, another, like I have my biological mom, but she's kind of an older sister to me because of the age gap thing is not very big. I have an older brother, cool uncle Henry, um and uh and I have two I have a niece and a nephew. Wow, this is I've always she has wanted a, to have a, a big two family. siblings. Yes. The the Wait. two because they're Lucy's kids. They're <gasps> yes, they're Lucy's kids. I'm sorry. Nephew. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I could, I totally got lost in the layers of this family tree. She also technically has an aunt because Clement sees her aunt, but she never like really. She never she's like with we're her. not going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, a year passes and, uh, Libby sells the home for like 7 million pounds or something. And she's dividing the proceeds three ways so that Lucy and Henry also get money. Though this dumb girl at first was like, I don't deserve any of the money and tried to give it all to them. And I'm like, no, this, this is your legally your house. You should, you should keep some of that money for yourself. You idiot. Like, (laughs) don't give your money to these two people who claim to have this really outrageous story and never even bothered to get DNA tests to prove their, prove they were. No. No, I think they could I'm on, be David and Sally. I think I'm on Team Libby here in terms of she has a stable job and like is fine, and her mother is homeless with two children. Like, okay, yeah, but she was like going to give it all to Henry too, who has a very good job and is very financially stable. Just because, like, oh well, it was technically your family's house, but like, no, girl. Again, this is like no self-preservation at all. Like the, this could this could very clearly just be another David and David and Birdie situation. <laughs> it's, all it's all a con, layers of cons. Um, she's also dating Miller now, who she really doesn't have any serious chemistry with on the page. But apparently, they're in love. He's given up the idea of publishing this story on the Lambs for her. That's his whole thing. <laughs> he gave up the story for her instead of letting the story ruin his marriage. Right? Yay! Good for him. Though he uh, instead turned to investigating Finn and trying to find out where Finn could have ended up. And at this last scene, he surprises Libby with a brochure 
for an African safari where Finn has been working as a safari guide, Nicholas Sparks, man, here it comes now. Uh, and he says, look, we are going to go there. I got, I got tickets for us to fly over there and we're going to go and see him if that's what you want to do. Uh, it had been mentioned very briefly early on in the book that what Finn wanted to do when he grew up was to be a safari guide. So, so good for him. That's why, that's why this is the safari guide of all, of all things. Um, and of course, Henry is there and he overhears this and we get like a POV from him where basically he talks about how, you know, he was the one that was secretly making Finn sick the whole time because he was trying to feed him love potions or some shit. And he talks about how he wants to see Finn again because, you know, he's never really loved anyone except Finn. Finn is kind of it for him and he's a little bit obsessed and uh, so seems to be real angry about some shit concerning Finn. And the last line of the book is like, hey, you got room for one more? In a really creepy, sinister way, the end. Which it's like, okay, so basically you've got the story where the ultimate big bad is uh-huh. not the guy who fucked a 14-year-old at age 41, had multiple women engaged in a sex cult, and abused a bunch of teenagers, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's the kid who had a crush on a guy growing yep. up, and because of that, he became evil. Like... Do you, do you not see? Do you not see? This doesn't this feel a, right. This yes. is a this gross ending, which is why I'm like, I can, I can headcanon this of like, yeah, he's angry about some stuff. Like if we just buy Henry's side of events, right? Like what is the worst thing that Henry has done? Right? Like if we accept his Protected version, his siblings. Right. And I mean like yeah. the locking Finn up and kissing him, not a great look. Okay. But also, yeah. he's 18. He was 18 at the time. So, like, mm-hmm. aside from that, and then the stalking, also not so good. Um, especially the kissing stuff. It's, like, leaning into this, like, homosexuality made him crazy. Yeah. Which I don't think that that was the intent. But, again, when that is the only gay representation you have in the book, mm-hmm. that is kind of how it comes across, right? It just, it's not great. And then to end it on, like, uh oh! What is this crazy homo gonna do next? Like, yeah, yeah. Come on, it dude. Was, <laughs> it was so clear we had a villain, and it was David. And like, it would have been so much more interesting if they had painted Henry as like, you know, someone who was sorry that he had to do the things he did, but he did them and he was proud of them, right? As opposed to like now he's like now he just loves killing, I guess. <laughs> I get, and it's not even really super clear. It is left kind of ambiguously of like, uh-huh. is that what is the, is he planning to go and murder Finn? Like, and I guess we'll have to read the second book to find out. I'm not um, going to, no. But <laughs> I might, I, I can't decide. Um, <laughs> but like, it's, it's left very ambiguous in terms of exactly how evil, for lack of a better word, is Henry. Cause yeah, we've got clemency saying like he has that streak of evil and we have these like weird obsessive, you know, attitude towards Finn but uh, he all like he's the hero of the book as far as you know he's the fucking uh his uh, actions yeah like he's he's fucking Chris and flowers in the attic except without the fucking your sister part like yeah you know big that's a big part of it (laughs) (laughs) it's just it's very weird it's very weird yeah uh and he also does seem to be very angry that Finn 
had this baby with mm-hmm. his sister and not yes. him which again like kind of makes you wonder like what is anything going to happen to Libby like mm-hmm. I don't know well but he also has like he's like I'm the one who stayed I'm the one who took care of the baby like everybody mm-hmm. else left which is why I'm like he's so interesting as like a trauma like yeah. as, a, as an understanding of trauma and like abandonment right like because uh-huh. yes all the other kids and Justin and you know in a sense the adults because they died but like they mm-hmm. all left before him like everyone kept leaving him so like I get it like I get it and I, I don't think he's gonna do anything to Libby because I think he's kind of like she's she's the whole she's, reason she says that he says the thing about like she is the only good thing to come out of this situation mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. so I, I think he you know, cares for Libby and I'm, I'm choosing to read him as, you know, traumatized and fucked up, but probably not a murderer anymore. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. It is. I also found it interesting the way that the author was like, so Libby meets her family. Right. Mm -hmm. And then like in this part four, which is kind of like an epilogue situation, the one year later is like now Libby is learning who she really is and she's just really flourishing now that she has her biological family and blah, 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 which I was like, that's also kind of like, I don't know. It's it's just weird vibes. Like the whole, this whole family is weird and it's weird that Libby just like fell into this and is totally fine with it and like is besties with everybody. I don't know. I just didn't buy that they would be a happy family. It was, it was just kind of all over the place, right? And he's like, Henry should be a hero, but then he's also got like these anger issues and like Livy should be suspicious, but she's totally like all in. And I don't, it just, it felt the end of it was, it, it I don't know. The end of it didn't feel like a thriller. Honestly. Exactly. Except for it the felt very like a fairy end, tale. Like, except for the very, very end yeah. with the Henry stuff. And that felt shoehorned. So I was just like, I, I don't guess know. that's like unsettling in and yeah. of itself, but What's he going to do next? Yeah. Is he going to kiss more boys? Oh, no. Ooh. Like, come on. Which he also is like, no, I've gotten around. I fucked. I did not stay, you know, chased for, for Finn. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, cool, I guess. Cool, yeah. There's also, like, <laughs> a lot of commentary on, like, how he's had, like, surgery and, like, he's had lip filler and he's dyed his hair. And is he trying to look more like Finn? And I'm like, I, this has to uh, – this is very – I don't know. It it didn't it didn't come down hard enough on if Henry was actually like still obsessed with Finn to an unhealthy degree mm-hmm. after 25 years or it was like the locked door thing where it's like yeah, Henry says that was an accident and I guess that's what we're going with and we never mm-hmm. get like real resolution on if it was or wasn't. You just kind of have to I guess make up your mo- own mind how you feel about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, that's fine. I guess. Anyway, that was this book. How do we feel about domestic thrillers now? I feel like you've already said. Yeah, they're still they're still not for me. Um, I think I just the the thriller g- genre in in general is one that I don't find a lot of reward in. I don't I don't think that I'm here for like a sudden twist or you know mm-hmm. like the plot twists and and the thrills i'm not here for the thrills right i'm here for like the logical build up to who killed the person <laughs> that's me how about you um i feel like i like this as a subgenre of thrillers more than like some of the other thrillers we've read like, yeah it gets more into that psychological stuff and i like that so yeah that's true mm-hmm. um i i think that i might 
like I said, I might read the sequel to this just to kind of see what's up, what happens with Finn, you know, Mm -hmm. but who knows? We'll see. Awesome. But speaking of reading things in the future, (gasps) what will it be? Um, So next week we will be wrapping up the second arc of Warrior Cats with our next Meow Meow Monday with Warriors, the new prophecy book six, Sunset. Uh, The week after that, we will be continuing our literary submitted Sad Girls unit with the ultimate Sad Girls book, some would say. Um, (laughs) We'll see how it fits into Hannah's definition of it with uh, The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A classic classic in the meantime if you have any books you would like for us to cover on the podcast either because you think we would love them or hate them you can tweet at us at shelfawarecast or email us shelfawarecast at gmail.com as always thank you to ben cope for the use of our theme song you can check out his youtube channel in our show notes below we are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms so if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those you definitely should because because um because um (laughs) if you use apple Podcasts or spotify we'd very much appreciate a five-star review but if you don't that's all right because you're allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet you like in the words of lisa jewell it was one of the most shocking of all the details in miller's guardian article a house full of people and not one pair of shoes are you sure? Because like it's about a cult and a suicide <laughs> pact and like children being, you know, like. No, it's the shoes. It's the shoes, sir. I want to buy these shoes for these children, please. <laughs> oh, boy. Sorry, I lost myself in my notes. Where are we? Uh, I'm no, so you're sorry. Good. I'm so sorry. Um, oh, okay. Here, I, <laughs> I just there's there's a lot of words on the page, and I couldn't see. 